you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, Damashek here. Make sure you check out the new episode of the Dave Damashek football program. Ike Taylor, Matt Harmon, Matt Franciscovich, and I breaking down what sort of truths emerged from the sea of lies that was week one of the preseason. Also, the Titans running game. What to make of that from a fantasy perspective and in reality. Jared Goff and Beyond. Check it out on iTunes or NFL.com slash podcasts. The Around the NFL Podcast deeply respects the ambition of Trent Richardson. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, mm, Kevin Patra, and Greg Whoa. Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Ooh, good West, Patra. <laughs> Not nice. bad. I'm in the West chair, so I had to. On the way up the stairs today, you can actually hear the butterflies in Patra's oh. first time. In the studio with us since it's been remodeled. Big moment in your career, yes years. or no? It's been years. Yes. Oh, top one moment in my career. <laughs> wow. You don't have to. You don't have to make him feel even more nervous by bringing up the butterflies. I mean, he looks pretty at ease to me. No pressure on the diamonds. He, he care. I think his his hair beard game is strong. He, that Very button. Strong. You've got you've got a lot of yeah, uh, chest was, hair, chest I, showing. I was here. told I'm, I'm not allowed to button that button anymore. So. Mm. By who? Your woman. That is correct, Dan. How's that going? Phenomenal. Do you think you're going to take that to the house? Uh, I think uh, I think that's on the on, uh, we're on the right wow. track. How old we're are you? On now? the right track. Thirty-one. Okay, well, right there. See, I you, th- you hit thirty and you start thinking about things. Wait, Mark. what do you mean take take it to the house? Like go all the way? You know what I'm saying? That that's what I you think. Mean? I think he was. Yeah, go all the way, different. not the go all the way. You're thinking. Get up to speed, Greg. Yeah. I don't know what's going on in your we've, marriage. We've been all the way. If that's any news Wait a to second. you, if that's any news to you. Wait a second. Terrible. Let's uh, you know. Let's close the kimonos here. <laughs> Mark, you wandered a little bit through the forest uh, before you settled down. Uh, you settled down still later in your thirties. Yes. And not settled down as a person. You're still kind of out there a little bit, but <laughs> in terms of getting married, got married. Uh, but once you hit thirty, as a guy, especially if you're in a, a long-term relationship. And especially if she's closing in on 30, you know, sometimes you got to make a power play. And that seems our patch is heading right now. My power play is marrying you. someone seven years younger than me. Mm. That is a power play that very well. Robin, I didn't control it. That is, that's just how the universe had it happen. Uh, I like a happy Patra, and uh, I think he's been a happy guy the last six months, whatever it's been. Year. Well, I would go crazy <laughs> happier. I mean, I would say. 80% of his comments on our instant messaging uh, client usually is something along the lines of, you know, <laughs> that guy, or he <laughs> sucks, or <laughs> this or that. Don't like all, people, all don't like the concept of people. Yeah. Yes, I'm generally well, we, against human beings. And we wouldn't mainly, have it any other way. We love. I don't want you to go soft. I won't do it. I don't want you to go from Jefferson Airplane to Starship. I, don't, I hope uh, I don't want you to go soft is not a quote that we put on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, this is the Wednesday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. And, yes, uh, despite that killer Wes impression, um, Chris Wessling off today. 
And, you know, Chris Wessling off day, uh, he never really gets too far from the old pigskin. Um, he was sending me Lamar Miller hype bunny uh, tweets earlier today. I'm sure he's watching some film. Um, so, but Wes will be back on Thursday. Um, so Patra's sitting in for the rest of the week, and we also have to figure out we've got to have a night out with Patra. Patra yeah, Wes owes to- me beers, by the way. He does. For what? From the bet of the, the picks games last year. Ooh, we will talk about that on tomorrow's show. That's exciting. Now I'm really excited about tomorrow's show. Uh, but this show is going to be a good one. Pre-show grade. I haven't had one of these in a while. And I've been thinking a lot about the pre-show grade, actually, guys, because you don't want to get stale and, oh, same grade all the time. Nice bit, Dan. No, I'm going to start giving a pre-show grade that actually is <laughs> yeah. commensurate with how good I think the show will be. So we're going to do a hard knocks report. Episode two of Hard Knocks. You know I love Hard Knocks. You're the love, Hard Knocks guy. Love writing about it. We're going to continue our division preview series. Well, a little chunky, that series, in my opinion, but I enjoy <laughs> the football talk. Here it comes. You know? So NFC South, not my favorite division. I love the NFC South. We know uh, that you do, but, yeah, you know. Dan, Dan's probably where a lot of fans are. The NFC South is in a cauldron of excitement for right. most people. And Patra's here in the studio, and that, that, that helps. That alone is bumping it up a letter grade. Mm. Uh, some good news. So Our pre-show grade, grade B-. minus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll try to meet that. I have to say, when I heard that Patra was going to be in today, I was a little worried from what you guys have said over this time I've been here. He is wonderful. Oh, of course. What, what, what kind of comment is He's that? Great. You're trying to I cause just, trouble over here? No, I can. No, you guys said like on we bad mouth the guy. No, you know, like you said, like he's moody or whatnot. He has been fantastic. <laughs> I don't think Patrick's moody. I just think he's he's he, he's at a resting, um, cantankerous place. That's true. I will take I the five minutes that you've spent with him over the four years oh, of yeah. communicating with him that we've had. He hasn't. He hasn't. <laughs> uh, he's not soft like us out here in L.A. He's just a no salt cold. Man. City boy. That's one of Greg's, you know, longstanding bits is the that L.A. is soft and the rest. Well, no, of the it's not a bit. It's unlike it's not unlike Martha's Vineyard, which was. Yeah, it's not a bit. Hard I never lived there. It, it's never. It's not a bit. L.A. of course is soft. Well, it's okay. It depends That's why what, I like part, it. what parts of L.A. are you hanging out in? We could put you in some parts of L.A. that you Fair. might have a different opinion about. That's how the city operates. It's not hanging out in Compton. Is that what you're trying to say? Many parts of L.A. I don't know. All right. For John. Let's do some news. Patrick, you're awesome. Thanks, buddy. This is why you lift all them weights. This is why you do all that. Let's start with the poor Buffalo Bills. You know, I'm starting to think that Rex Ryan did something really devious, like maybe assassinated a world leader, something terrible in a prior life because he keeps on stepping into some bad situations. Uh, the end of his Jets tenure was po- terrible. And now with the Bills, things keep on getting worse. Uh, defensive tackle Marcel Darius has been suspended four games for yet another violation of the NFL substance abuse policy. The team confirmed it in a, a statement, Greg. They were not happy. Uh, they did not uh, stick up for their man or defend him. Uh, said that he put himself ahead of the team. Yikes. Uh, and Darius explained Mark Sessler uh, that he missed that test, and that's why he was positive. So he's not admitting that he was on anything. It's just he did not make the test. I mean, if you're the Bills, on top of everything else, it, every podcast we're telling you about a new development in Buffalo that's a disaster in the making. And with this, it's more about the fact that it was a year ago that you gave him a seven-year contract with $60 million guaranteed. And he opened last season with a one-game suspension. He's got another one now. And you never know where these people are in the program and what's going on with these players. But this is, this is another example of the Bills giving a bizarre contract to a great player a year ago, but someone that, frankly, is just not, at this point, someone you can trust. And always been a little touch and go. Well, didn't have a good season. That's the bigger problem, you know. The suspension and not being available is obviously not what you want out of a guy making that much money. But he didn't play that well last year. He was okay, but he wasn't a guy. He wasn't that big of a difference maker. He didn't make up for what was going on around him really at all. And the Bills in these sternly worded statements, 
I guess it's PR. That's just what what it has to be. But the, it's kind of like at the end of the season when they released that statement that that Rex and Whaley will be back. It's all right. Enough with the statements. Mm. He, he might not have had a good year last year, but he certainly is the centerpiece of that defensive line. Oh yeah, there's no question. And he his losing him for four games just continues the streak. Uh, you know, Shaq Lawson's out for how. Who knows how long Reggie Ragland got hurt. Manny Lawson's going to miss a game for suspension. Carlos Williams is suspended. I mean, this is a team. I.K. Impale. I.K. Impale got hurt. Like, this is a defense that Rex has planned, need needs to be good again after a terrible season last year well, to keep his job. It, yeah. And it, it's just de- decimated right off the bat before he gets even a chance to put anybody on the field. Yeah, it was at, in January when Ryan was acknowledging that the Bills' defense, which is supposed to be, you know, the arc, he's the architect of this, was thin and needed depth, and everything has gone completely south since that statement. I think Darius, this is the maybe the biggest one of, of all those. I know losing Raglan for the season – Hurts them bad, but Darius is really important to that to that team. So even if it's just four games, it's a three man line. Their rookie Adolphus Washington looks pretty good, uh, but it's a three man line, and he's anchoring. It, and that is a position they do not have anyone great behind him. Would it surprise you? And I know it's been a while since you know Rex has felt like Rex, but all these different issues and all the adversity. If six weeks into the season that defense is playing well, Rex is it schemed up right, mm-hmm. and he actually ends up looking better with playing without all these guys, and it's kind of what he needed to get a little bit of his swagger back. He has well, a I chance. That. He has a chance to do something that no one would have expected, and it would have been great PR for Rex. I think of a much, much better shot of being one and five. You look at their schedule; it's not easy. I mean, he's already said today he had the balls to say that this is still going to be a better defense than it was last year with all these guys missing. And I agree. He's, he's, he, you agree that they're going to be a better defense with the uh, Zach Brown. Play, Not going like, to take that Preston much. Brown playing big roles. Lorenzo Alexander being a bigger pass rusher. Expectations uh, going to be lower now for that team. No. Yeah, I mean, until this suspension, I was still thinking. I, I thought they had a chance. I think this is a top ten offense last year that has their players back and a chance to be a lot better on defense. The reason I think the defense will be better is because it was so bad last year. Well, it, the, the, I, there's no reason their to back think that they can't be, be average. Their I, back end will be very good. I and I think what Rex as a coach is talking about, there was revolt last year. I mean, it was it, it, it was everyone coming out in the press saying that Rex Ryan's scheme is too confusing. It doesn't work. They talk about everyone being on the same page now from a coach angle. That's already better no matter what the results are. Here, here's a prediction I will make. They, they, the Bills bombed this year. Rex gets canned like they were supposedly going to do last year. And then all these guys are healthy next year, and there's a lot of talent on this on the team, and they bounce back, and they're in the playoffs the, the, the next year with a, with a new coach. Mm. And Rex just got unlucky because this team got just decimated by injury. I could see it. I could see it. Um, moving on, you know, we were just talking about on this very podcast how um, terrible the depth is on the Eagles' depth chart at wide receiver behind Jordan Matthews. So they did something about it. Uh, on Tuesday, the Eagles acquired tight, former Titan second-round pick Doriel Green-Beckham in a trade. Uh, the cost is a 2012 fifth-round pick. Dennis Kelly, uh, who's a swing guard, tackle type, started two games for Philly a year ago. Um, so there you go, a little bit of depth at wide receiver. Uh, Mark Sessler, do you think Green-Beckham is a guy that could help the Eagles? I think it's so telling that the Titans traded th- – they basically took anything to get Doriel Green Beckham out the door. That the, that the DGB experiment came to the point where they felt like this guy is one of the most physically talented guys to come into the league in the last five years, and we can't do anything with him. We'll take depth on our offensive line over this. And it was the Eagles that called him up. They're desperate for a wide receiver. The Eagles admit they've heard all the reports on this guy. Can't learn the playbook, is a little bit out in space, and they're willing to take it on. It's their Why challenge. Why not? Sure, why not? For but but I'm just saying from the Titans' angle, it's all about the fact that the, that they completely came to an end result with DGB quickly too. Yeah, uh, Dan Helley, uh, who's doing the Titans broadcast, said Marcus Mariota just didn't trust DGB. That's not a good thing. Which is not good. But if you're the Eagles, Howie Roseman sometimes acts a little more like a fantasy GM or like one of us, and I think that's in a good way. I don't think there's enough risk-taking when there's almost no downside to a trade like this. Dennis Kelly was getting their quarterbacks killed. 
you know, he might not have made that team. So they basically got a guy this talented for free. See what you can do with him. Why not? Yeah, it's, it's what's the downside? Flyer. I mean, he's going to be play on the outside. Your best receive, receiver, Jordan Matthews, is an inside guy, so he's not going to take those snaps. So he takes uh, a Ruben Randall who's getting killed the, the last right. week in the press, who's getting murdered. So he takes those snaps, and you have a guy with some high upside. I mean, I don't think we should expect him to put up huge numbers in the. No, he might offense. not even start. Wait. Might not even play. Probably well, that's start. the thing. I mean, it's it, there's all it's all wonderful, but it's also a player that completely fizzled out in Tennessee because they couldn't trust him to right. even get on the field. Oh. He was falling down the depth chart. How so. much do you put on this? on Malarkey and his staff. I mean, he said today it just never clicked in with him. Well, how much How much is not clicking in late? How much is on the player and how much is on the coaching staff? Well, this is what happens when you change your GMs and you change your coaches every year. A different GM just last year, you know, took him. Our old friend Dan's favorite GM in the league, Rustin Webster. My favorite GM. You loved Rustin. You thought he was electric at the combine. <laughs> I did like him. I liked him so much that I completely forgot anything about him. <laughs> His, the way he looked, the way he acted, the job he did, probably a bad job. Let's move on. The Pro Football Hall of Fame announced Tuesday that Cowboys owner Jerry Jones and former NFL commissioner Paul Tagliabue were selected as contributor finalists for election for the Hall's 2017 Class, both interesting names. Tagliabue was the commissioner uh, from 1989 to 2006 before uh, Roger Goodell took over. He succeeded um, an iconic uh, person in Pete Rozelle. Um, And I I would say with Tagliabue, it's almost like he's sandwiched between two more notable guys. Goodell has been such a controversial lightning rod type figure uh, in the sports world. And Roselle is famous for growing the game of football. And then you have Jerry Jones, of course, who has owned the Cowboys since 89. And Greg, uh, not only has he been one of the faces of the NFL and one of the, whether a hero, a villain, whatever he is, uh, also instrumental in what's been going on behind the scenes as the NFL has become the, the world's or the country's biggest sport. I think that's the only reason he's not the only reason, but it's the main reason why he's a Hall of Fame finalist is for what he's done behind the scenes, whether it's helping to bring the Rams to L.A., whether it's, you know, creating new revenue streams with the way that he did sponsorships. It's boring stuff. Television deals, lockout, all that stuff. He's one of the guys that have been the owners that helps run the league. Plus, you give him, you know, you count the three titles and uh I don't know. These two guys I don't think are rubber stamps to get in, though. Usually, if you get this far, you're named as a finalist, you get in. Wouldn't be surprised if either one of them or, or even both still didn't get in. Well, what would be holding Tagliabue back? I mean, you're Because a- he got shot down five or six times and then wasn't even making the finalist spot when he was when he was going up against players. So I think there's probably some case against him that, okay, just because just, just you're a commissioner, you get to be a Hall of Famer? Well, I guess for me, the Hall of Fame, we and somehow we've talked about the Hall of yeah. Fame three three shows in a row at this well, I point. Thought we, we don't need to keep doing it. I was surprised that we did. I thought you said we weren't doing it. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> keep talking. I just, I don't know. If you're not going to put a commissioner in, and Tagliabue well, was not a there wasn't an issue with Tagliabue. He, he did a fine job during one of the Labor biggest piece. growth periods in the NFL's history. I don't know why it's not getting rubber stamped. I think the, the current climate around concussions and where we're finding out what happened during that time period, I think that's one reason a lot of people would point to to say that he— Well, then, you know what? They keep bringing Tagliabue in behind the scenes to solve current league issues yeah, and sit right. down with people as a steady voice. So if he, if you don't trust him and he's not a Hall of Famer, then well, stop doing that. He certainly got along with players better. There was no— uh, work stoppage. Uh, the relationship with players was probably better. He grew the game. There's four extra teams. And more than anything, he probably saved the Saints in professional football in New Orleans at a time when Tom Benson was trying to get it out of New Orleans. And I, I think people in New Orleans know that, and I think that's that's one major thing that's in Tagliabue's favor for this class. Do you think, one last thing, if Jerry Jones were to get in, would it be the official time for him to step away from the Cowboys in his current role because he's been shifting you towards wish. that for a while. You wish. What, as GM? Well, no, Kinda for Stephen Jones to take over. Stephen Jones does Seems like he has a much more than he, than he did in the past. It's, it's coming. Jerry's not a young man anymore. Uh, good conversation, guys. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> I know we're going to be hearing from Dan after the show. I can feel what? it. What? I no. don't know. I just I can Not at all. <laughs> what? It was good. <laughs> it was good. Know. Finally. The Miami Dolphins' extensive renovations on their uh, home facility, uh, the renovations that were deemed necessary for them to ever host a a Super Bowl again, they got it done. They paid big, big money to do it. And now, uh, to help, I would think, offset some of those costs, they have uh, sold the naming rights to that old building once again. How many 
names as the building had uh, Pro Player Park, uh, Land Shark Stadium, a decent domestic logger, by the way. Deep, that was actually decent. a real name of that stadium. Landshark Stadium. That. Joe Robbie. Joe Robbie Stadium, which is kind of how I always remember it. Yeah. All through the years. Whatever. What it was something different. Oh, it was, it was Dolphins. It was Dolphin Stadium and Dolphins Stadium. Mm. <laughs> I mean, come on. And now, and now it is Hard Rock Stadium. Ow! Look out! Rock and roll is here to stay. Did you guys know that the Hard Rock Cafe was still around? Well, I was going to say, if you want to talk about a time when the Hard Rock Cafe was much cooler, it was when Tagliabue was the commissioner. It yeah. seems <laughs> very old to me. They still have enough money to sponsor our stadium? I, wow. th- this seems a little bit strange to me, and I was, I was wondering if um, the resident Dolphins fan in, in this building, handsome Hank, of course, Henry Hodgson, if, if he... Uh, could let us know what his thoughts were on the new stadium in general, just see where he's at as he uh, moves into his new place within the company. Henry, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hello, Dan. Hey, have you heard about Hard Rock Stadium? (laughs) Ow! Bring the babes and the beers and all the fun. That's very exciting, yeah. Um, this, I think, is the seventh name that, uh, that uh, Joe Robbie Stadium has had. We were just and talking about that. Favorite, definitely now, my favorite since Landshark Stadium. <laughs> See, I remember that one, too. So I just want to say, like, and you get on me sometimes, if, just to pull back the curtain a little bit, Henry and his role as the director of programming. Um, You're really opening the kimono here. Opening yeah. the kimono a little bit here and, uh, you know, getting below the treetops and, and letting people know that Henry has – pulled me aside and said I'm a little too anti-Dolphins. And, and, you've, and you've admitted to it. A little bit. You know, it, but you're a Jets fan. Yeah, old habits die hard. It, but sometimes the Dolphins make it too easy. And when Gloria Stefan and Fergie sign off on Hard Rock Stadium! I don't know, it's just kind of a cheesy name. Yes or no? Uh, it definitely is. And this is a great bit by you as well. This, I, I'm going to give this a, a, a solid 7 out of 10. Greg, Greg has buried his, uh, his face into his palm, so I don't think well, he I, likes the bit either. No, I like it. I'm, I feel bad for Pitbull, you know. The man most associated with Miami and Gloria Estefan, part owners, and they're not hard rock, and they're calling the stadium hard rock. Henry, do you think, because you're moving up the ranks, we always view you as a commissioner-in-waiting potentially. Uh, if you ever reach that, would you kick out all these uh, B-list celebrities and and get some real ownership in there. Uh, I think that that could be a good move. That could be a good move. I mean, I, I don't know how much day to day Serena Williams actually uh, has input on on you know some of the more important decisions around the building. But see, Serena um, Williams is the most accomplished athlete that's been in that building in thirty years. Oh Ouch. wow! Greg went there. Ouch! That wasn't me, by the way, Henry. Henry, no, no, I realized that was Greg. Henry, one question for you. I know, as Dan mentioned, that you can every time we turn around, you you uh, seem to be flying up the corporate ladder. Do you feel? <laughs> do you wake up at times with a? Are you drunk with power? I'm asking. Do you feel just um, drunk with power at this point? No more than you when when Greg goes on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, Greg is not my supervisor anymore. Just to- not any longer. But I, I know when David Ely goes off to wherever it is that that he goes. Um, you'll you'll be there, ready to take control. Henry makes a point, a good point. Once Ely goes on a vacation, will Sessler be subservient to Ely in the same way he was with Greg, reporting things back to him, different slights towards the boss? Will that happen with Ely, uh, Mark? Right, and has has Mark already done the work that you know he did behind the scenes to to ensure that he was the number two to Greg, you know, working his way <laughs> past past you, Dan, and 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 past Wes. Yeah, it certainly is he, happened. Is he doing the same kind of snaky things in the background? <laughs> nice, to make sure he's wow. number nice two attempt, Henry. I'll remind you, it's a case by case basis, and Greg needed to be dealt with in a certain way, and Ely in a very different way. Yeah, and I'm sure you will have sniffed out the right way to do that. Well, Henry, I thank you for taking this time in between uh, high leverage corpo meetings. Um, I will, as a gift to you, to celebrate Hard Rock Stadium, I'll send you one of those old jackets they used to have with the uh, leather sleeves and the Thank Hard Rock much. Cafe. Hey, I do have one other thing for you. Yes. I, I don't know if you've heard, but I'm I'm from the United Kingdom. I've picked and, that up. 
And um, I've had a few tweets in the last week about your British accent. And I think there's kind of a move uh, underway to, to try and stop you from doing it ever again. <laughs> you know, that's always been kind of just under the radar, but now I think it's starting to hit the mainstream to really shut me down. I think it was, right. who was it, Clive? Clive Walford, you. Clive Walford? Oi, yeah, Clive Walford. Because Clive Walford sounds, sounds um, like a, a British person, or your impression of a British person, but he also doesn't sound very intelligent. Maybe, <laughs> maybe had uh, a, a couple of shots to the head. He could have fell off his bike or something. Well, You're right. Right. To be honest, right. though, Dan, I was uh, on a plane listening to that at 6 a.m. Yes. yesterday, and I was trying not to laugh ah, out loud. So. There you go. And Patra is a very serious guy. Yeah. yeah. How about that, Henry? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I have no comeback for that. If Kevin Patra is there and he likes it, then who am I to stand in the way? Agreed. <laughs> All right, I'm going to play off some hardcore rock and roll, and you can do some air guitar in your office. Thank you. There he goes. Handsome Hank. The new... Vice President of International at NFL Media Conglomerate. No longer the DOP. All these roles changing. Some things change. Some things never do. Very powerful, man. That's what's happening in the news. All right. It is time for the greatest Greg Rosenthal football television series. In the history of the medium. There's no doubt about that. Hard Knocks Report, Episode 2. And uh, I will, you know, listen, I'm, I'm a, a big fan of the show, but I'm no shill for the show. I think it's a little slow out of the gate so far. I think uh, I, I wouldn't say that this season, now uh, 40% through, uh, is, is right now heading toward the Hall of Fame or the Mount Rushmore of Hard Knocks seasons. Um, a little five, bit dry. Five episodes or six? It's five? I believe there are five episodes, mm, yeah. Gotcha. Um, it's it's certainly interesting, and I guess my big picture takeaway, and I wrote about this in my Hard Knocks recap, which you can check out at NFL.com slash Hard Knocks, uh, that Jeff Fisher, especially after watching All or Nothing this summer, where Bruce Arians ran, to me, was a surprisingly tight ship, and he Arians was a more intense guy than I realized. Uh, Fisher, to me, is a, it's a very kind of loose atmosphere, uh, from where I was, my my vantage point on the couch, different for sure uh, than um, uh, Bruce Arians, who would you know went after guys hard, got very angry. Fisher, even when he had his now infamous rant about seven and nine last uh, week, it didn't seem as natural coming out of him. Um, and you get the vibe watching the team. And Greg, I know you watched the episode. If you if you picked up on that at all. Uh, as well, and I know there are, it's NFL films there. They're going to highlight some of the lighter moments, camp for entertainment value. But it does seem pretty loose uh, at UC Irvine. That's fair. He's a Southern California guy, Jeff Fisher. So maybe that's that's born in Culver think, City, where we are right now. You don't think of him as kind of a, a loose guy like that, lighthearted. But he seems kind of chill. The more you get to to watch him and some of his position coaches are the guys playing the bad, bad guys. guys. I yeah. mean, Mike Waffle, oh my God, you know, he, he is one of the, the heroes. And Come I hope back to us, Mike, I hope there's even more. I'll give you a break. Stay, <laughs> stay who you are. By the way, I would never dare to criticize Mike Waffle. No, do not. He could come after me and kill me. Cause he is the best. He's the Marine from full metal jacket. This is an actual, he, and you line. know, who's the best uh, yeah. players on their team, the best unit over the last five years, the defensive line who Mike Waffle's coaching. Okay, I mean, he didn't give the DNA that made Aaron Donald and Robert Quinn. I'm just saying, I'd be afraid to let that guy down. You don't know that. That's true, Patrick. An actual line from Mike Waffle on Tuesday, uh, and get ready. This is going to need some bleeping. Irish, sorry. Keep keeping Irish active with the beeps today. Knock him the back. Put the quarterback on the ground. Go celebrate that. you. And you're like, oh, that must be from the preseason game, and he was pissed off at the Cowboys. No, he's yelling at his own guys. It's a practice. He just dropped an FU, which seemed pretty heavy. But <laughs> anyway, getting back to, to the general vibe of, of the camp, you know, when you start saying these things, it's a laid-back, loose atmosphere, Kevin Patra. Then the dreaded, ooh, they're running a country club. I don't want to say that. That's unfair. I'm not close enough to the team to say that. But when Kenny Britt and Brian Quick overturn in their golf cart and almost kill themselves – uh, you would think, and I was thinking, Bruce Arians. The video would be, of that is, is quite ridiculous. Yeah, it was. Bruce it Arians was jarring. You were you were not expecting that. You're like, okay, we've seen this hard knocks scene before, where guys are just like driving around Turn having around. fun, and then suddenly, how lucky were they? Not lucky, but that, that the camera was there, and it's just like, bam. Yeah, 
And Kenny Britt almost gets I know, crushed it, to death. It, it half landed on him, right? Like, it did. He he so. he got very lucky. And they're both kind of uh, laughing and uh, during the admonishment pro- process. I thought that was a little interesting too. Yeah, I thought anyway. that was weird that Britt was laughing as they as they stood him up, being like, "You guys could have been here." Yeah, Kenny and Britt this was- came. And we were saying maybe it was a little unfair. Dion Long got cut last week for. Um, having a girl in his dorm, and he was immediately sent out the door, an undrafted wide receiver. This this crashing of the moped situation came shortly after they showed Fisher saying, guys, be careful on these things. I don't want anybody doing any funny business. And then these guys are, like, racing like Fast and the Furious. I mean, I, I am behind because I did not see this episode yet. You, you read the recap, though. I read the recap today. Did. I, I, question for you. It, yeah, seemed, you it seemed one of the briefer recaps – from you and I was wondering was this is this series in general a little low wattage because the first I love Hard Knocks but episode one was a hard six out of ten for me Mm, like it just I felt like from the minute mm. they announced the LA Rams I thought here's the five things I know are going to happen in episode one and one two three four five they all happen it's like are they branching into new areas where you're learning about people that you didn't know did you say low wattage because last year was the Texans and Watt was all I did not possibly um well, I, d- I was trying to be economical. I did make some cuts. Uh, but, yeah, there wasn't, it wasn't like the words are pouring out because there wasn't something jumping out uh, at me so far. But I do – the one – if this season, if nothing else, this season, this season will give us uh, this quote from Jeff Fisher on William Hayes, who we learned last year was the guy that didn't believe in dinosaurs. But it is now uh, we're learning about his belief in a, a myst- uh, mythical sea creature uh, that makes him even more strange. Will Hayes absolutely believes and is totally convinced that there are mermaids and they do exist, okay? As a matter of fact, I remember him getting really excited about the potential for moving out here uh, because he knew that he would be closer to mermaids here on the West Coast. Sessler hates that. I'll give it. No, I just, I think it's, it just feels, is it contrived at all? Do you think he really thinks I don't think, no, William Hayes, I don't think it's contrived at all because this has been a thing for years, he also doesn't believe in dying. I mean, if you listen to him arguing, I mean, the starting quarterback doesn't know where the sun rises. Right. This guy thinks that mermaids are flying around if the you sea. To what him, is up with this team? If you listen to him, his his arguments for why he believes it, like he's like, "What about the dinosaurs in the sea?" And they're like the meteor hit. He's like, "But they were underwater." Water will like, catch on fire. He was like, he was like, you know, crocodile. You know, I don't know. The whole thing was insane. Any his his uh, reasoning for why mermaids could exist is because scientists find new organisms in the ocean every day. But then he turns against science when it comes to the dinosaur um, stuff. So that is all fun. Uh, but uh, I love this show. I'm going to watch. I, it doesn't matter, you know, whether the show is having an off season or a good season. I still enjoy it. It's like pizza, but um, maybe a little bit of a slow start. Jared Goff reminds me a lot, by the way. His even though he's from Northern California, uh, he reminds me a lot of Mark Sanchez in the 2010 Hard Knock season of huh. Jets, where he's young, kind of cocky, uh, a little bit goofy, and seemed immature. Still has a way to go to kind of really earn the respect of his teammates, but he's still the hot shot on the on the roster. I think we can forget how young these people are and what we were like at that same age. And it's easy to jump on Goff for what happened in the first episode, at least. But, I mean, he's like a 21, 22-year-old kid. And they talked about Fisher. They said there were some whispers that the, they, the Rams weren't into Wentz because Wentz was this A-type personality and that it wasn't Fisher's personality, that Fisher and Goff were much more similar types in terms of being laid that back. So Goff has a 7-9 and nine personality? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I like that Case, I did not say. I, it's made me like Case Keenum more, though. He's a, He's got a... You know, he's exactly kind of what you'd figure Case Keenan would be, but he's what you would want in a starting quarterback welcoming in Goff and I don't know. Doesn't he's also the all-time leader in yards, touchdowns, and completions in NCAA history. Poor Case Keenum. Doesn't this always – A little respect. Who would yeah, have I was that? surprised to see Who that ever or hear that. Um, but it, I, there is there are patterns if you watch a show every summer. It seems like if you're a veteran – backup quarterback, you're in a good spot to come off as pretty cool on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt sure. Moore a couple of years ago, Mark Brunel in that Jets season. They get to be the older guy that, you know, imparts wisdom and is a little more laid back because he knows it's not all on his shoulders and it usually comes off um, well. Anyway, any other thoughts, guys, on the Hard Knocks report? Well, you, I enjoyed the write-up. You saved me. I would not Thanks, know buddy. a thing that happened otherwise. I'm just glad America's gotten to meet Rob Boris. 
the Rams offensive coordinator? Is anyone more under the radar for as who, for a guy who's running an entire offense, probably with no help from, uh, you know, Jeff Fisher? How do you follow Rob Frank Boris? Signetti, buddy? That's, it's tough. Yeah. Frank Signetti. Uh, and one last note in, in praise of NFL films. It's amazing the bottomless nature of their, their vault in uh, Mount Laurel. Ian Seau is a uh, undrafted defensive end, or maybe he's a late round pick. I can't remember, but he's the nephew of Junior Seau. And what other um, a films entity could do what they did in this episode, which was not only they talk about how uh, he looked up to his uncle, but then they cut to NFL Films archive footage of Junior Seau watching Ian Seau uh, as a boy playing in his football league from the sidelines. It's like wow. Yeah, and like the shots. Awesome. That was awesome. The shots of Jeff Fisher at the original Rams training camp that mullet. in 91. Wow. Yeah, people destroyed each other at training camp in yeah. 1991. I know the league has a long way to go in player health and safety, uh, but for strides in that department, look no further than the difference in camps. Yeah, then they would practice all year long that way too. It was a completely different type yeah. of football player. All right. Let's move on, guys. Oh, one thing before we uh, move on. I just want to remind everyone, big announcement. Next week, the third annual Around the NFL Fantasy Extravaganza. Kevin, from, pumped. I'm pumped. from the outside perspective, someone that's not in the studio much, how excited are you about this year's edition? Probably at least a 5.5 out of 10. That's wow. pretty good. That's solid. No, that's good. <laughs> in Patrick's world, that's, if, you know, bell curve. Get that in school, it's, a, it's an F. Well. Failure. Well, but if when no. Patrick was eight, gr- you asked him about a, no, like, no, no, you got a grade on a, you got a grade on a curve. Okay, <laughs> Patrick on Christmas Eve, you would have said ah, six point five. Yeah, <laughs> one to ten. <laughs> How excited are you about your lady friend? Ooh, this uh, is a big question. Be careful. I'm not answering that. I'm actually not going to answer. She going to listen to the show? No, but on the off shot that. Why wouldn't she listen? Well, why wouldn't you that. answer a ten? It's obvious. No, I'm just not going to do it. Because then, then my reputation's on the line as a as a hard. I'm just going to not. It's I'm going to decline to answer. It's a six. I'm going to decline to answer. Six and a half. Declining six to answer. It's a six. Fantasy show coming in just below Lady Friend. This is like a coach that won't announce the starting quarterback. You only don't say, you know, not, <laughs> not unless you have something to hide. It's like Joe Philbin before I do. the London game. Maybe right. I do, exactly. Greg. Maybe I do. All right. Hmm, interesting. Little some look, Greg, incredulous. Over yeah, there. he is not I happy. That. <laughs> Greg likes to give uh, relationship advice. <laughs> Division preview time. <sighs> Number three. We've done the NFC East. We've done the <laughs> NFC North. Now the NFC South, and then the NFC West, and then we got to do it all again with the AFC. This time we're talking about yes, the South Division, which has your your enthusiasm is really going to help with the listeners. I'm sure they're just like crazy. Now, the listeners, Why, what's up, wrong? Very with up it? and down with it. I don't like when there's a lot. You know, like when you were a college kid and you were you had to write a 37 page term paper, and you're just at the beginning of it. It just feels like it, it, this mountain that you have to climb. I'm still I'm only like 10 pages into the term paper. I feel you. That's all. I like it, though. I like talking football with you guys. No, oh, we just <laughs> got a long way to go. <laughs> the look on Greg's Greg face is just absolute the disdain last for everything that happy. just came out of dance. Well, yeah. The, well, it was the fact that you feel the need to even say the words. I like talking football with you guys. <laughs> really, I do <laughs> like that. Like that would be in question. That's troubling. Um, Henry, oh by boy. the way, just uh, sent me a. <laughs> no, we don't use that word. And I am. Here are the, the stadium names in Miami through the years. Joe Robbie. Pro Player Park. Pro Player Stadium, Dolphins Stadium, Dolphin Stadium, <laughs> Landshark Stadium. Ooh, this one goes under the radar. Sun Life That's Stadium. where they played the That's Super Bowl. Been. That's where uh, – was that the Saints? Right, the Greg, Super Bowl? Saints Bear. No, Saints Colts. Saints, Saints Colts. Colts. Yeah. Yeah, Colts. No. No, it's, no, Colts, it's Colts winning the Super Bowl. Colts Bears. Bears. Oh, uh, and it was they raining. Were, they were both there. We're both right. Colts both. Okay, you're nice. right. You're right. Okay, everybody's right. And finally, Hard Rock Stadium. Okay, NFC South. Who wants to start today, Mark? Do you want to start today, Let's or do it. would Let's you have like? Mark sure, start. I will. All right, yeah. Mark will start today. Uh, in the NFC South, Greg, what are the teams in the NFC South? The Atlanta Falcons, right. New Orleans Saints, Correct. Tampa Correct. Bay Buccaneers, and the defending NFC Championship, your Carolina Panthers. That was good, Greg. Very professional, real broadcaster. Uh, Mark, you will get us going with the breakout star of the NFC South in the year 2016. I'm going to go with Devin Funches. 
Panthers second year wide receiver. I mean, part of it's just reading the tea leaves. It, one beat reporter after the next, without any question, calling him the MVP of training camp. Ron Rivera said, I don't even want to say who the MVP is because I don't want to jinx him, but it's clear he's talking about Devin Funches. And it has a lot to do with Kelvin Benjamin has, you know, they're bringing him along very slowly. His conditioning has not been 100%. And Funches has played the role of number one wide receiver going up against number one cornerbacks in practice. And in game, in the game as well, caught a touchdown pass. But they just said that him and Cam Newton one long connection after the next that he's completely become a more versatile player, totally trustworthy, they love his offseason. And so for me, because, you know, maybe Benjamin doesn't get off to the roaring start that some would expect, Funchess, who's been there all along for months and months, is installed as that guy that Cam Newton can really look to. And it speaks to me, a big season, I would say 10-plus touchdowns would not be out of the question at all. My concern there would be where does he fit in once Kelvin Benjamin is back 100%. Ted Ginn Jr. is not exactly a, a, a slot receiver, so we're, we're, how does the trio shake out? Twin towers on the outside. That's I the think thing so. about Dave Gettleman. He has a vision. And it's then what different do you do than with other people. Devin Funches looks like a tight end. So does Benjamin. Benjamin's weight thing has slipped under the radar a little bit. I mean, this is a guy who's had weight problems going back years and years. He's got weight conditioning problems now. He's a key part of that team. And and I couldn't agree with you more, Mark. I think I think it's set up for Devin Funches to be kind of a co number one with with Benjamin. That was the whole goal back back when they drafted him. Yeah, second round when they reached. So a lot of people thought they reached when they took him that high. Well, we'll see. Like we need former a, tight end playing wide receiver. That that was that's an adjustment. We need to see it happen first of all. But uh, it makes sense with Cam Newton too that. He's a guy who's not afraid to throw it into tight windows. Not a guy who's going to be open by a ton, but a big guy you can throw it up high to and he'll catch it. Patra, your breakout star. We're sticking with the Carolina Panthers. I'm going Shaq Thompson. I think uh, you know he had mm. 50 tackles last year. He played limited to start, but I think with him, uh, Thomas Davis, and Luke Keekley, that's going to be the fastest linebacking trio. It already is the fastest linebacking. It's going to be even faster. I think he can cover tight ends whenever needed, and I think that's going to give them versatility. He can rush the passer. He's going to bring a whole dimension. I think his speed is going to be dynamic this year. and going to, That's one reason I think they're not so worried about the cornerback position because exactly. I think they, can, he, they believe that he can cover some of those gaps in their zone scheme, and he can stay on the field and cover a bigger, uh, slower wide receiver or a tight end in those nickel situations, so they're not worried as much about the depth at the corner. I was watching the Ravens-Panthers preseason game, and they talked about Shaq Thompson as their defensive MVP of this of this training yeah. game. So that draft for Dave Gettleman is looking outstanding right now. And against the Ravens, they were moving him all over the field. They mm-hmm. love yep. to do all sorts of stuff with him, and he did it well, and he's incredibly fast, and I think you're exactly right. I agree with you. If Shaq Thompson takes a step up like that, front seven. and Thomas Davis... Forget is it. Within ten percent of where he was last year, that's not just the you know fastest linebacker group this year. That's one of the best linebacker groups of the last fifteen years. Because Luke Kuechly's the best in the league. Thomas Davis is in that range, and if Shaq Thompson is a Pro Bowl type player, that's an insane linebacker group. Good start, guys. A lot of pressure on me to keep it up. <laughs> I will go with uh, a tight end in New Orleans named Kobe Fleener. Wow. Who. Well, I know Kobe Fleener is not a very popular guy. It seems like a lot of people think he is a, a flawed football player. But I don't think you need to be a perfect uh, – you don't have to be Rob Gronkowski to thrive in New Orleans at the tight end position. Uh, I think Drew Brees, despite some reports to the contrary, maybe his arm strength is a little diminished, was still a monster producer last year. Benjamin Watson, who, by the way, you want to pick one person who is not going to come close to their numbers from the year before – Ben Watson ain't sniffing 800 yards, eight Not touchdowns, in 100 targets. I don't think so. I don't. I think that I'll he put was a never that on that. What? I th- I think he'll top his eight his yardage from last year in Baltimore. I'll take, I'll take sandwich. You got, you got me. Can I take your sandwich? No. You Can we take note of that. I want, I want that. Can you note Just that, Irish? Stand. Thank you. Okay. Anyway. Wow. We'll Rocket Gilmore. Agree to disagree. Okay. Dennis but that's it. not even the heart of my uh, my uh, point here. It's more the idea of I think Watson is well a nice player and seems like a very good guy. Not the most dynamic football player. Kobe Fleener is an offensive talent. Maybe not a great blocker, but great hands can run like the devil. And with Drew Brees and some emergent talent around him, I think Kobe Fleener is going to be a 1,000-yard receiver mm. and uh, put him in the top 10 uh, tight end conversation. Maybe higher. Wow. 
it's been a great position in, in New Orleans, that's like you said. So the main argument, that, I think. Yeah, that's a good way to connect the dots. It's bad news for making the leap candidate Josh Hill from a year ago, who <laughs> I basically spent you know three days, ten thousand words writing about a ghost. But that was a stretch. Like in retrospect, was. you could look because everyone thought, all right, he was an whoever fills guy. That, he was an offseason yeah, guy. Whoever well, fills was, that he, slot will get those targets right. and produce. But I think. Fleener comes in with an actual pedigree as an offensive talent. The, the problem yeah. with Fleener, I think, for this is that I think the receivers are so much better now that that's where some of those balls are going to go. Are we concerned? He was a great route runner in, in Indy, and those things will carry over. I don't think he's going to just all of a sudden be great at getting open. Are we right. concerned the Colts wanted Dwayne Allen over Kobe Fleener without no. looking back? Yeah, they had I just to think pick that's one. how they how they're they pick one. Run. I'm going to pick a, a more obvious uh, big-name guy as my breakout player, Jameis Winston. If there's uh, okay. a quarterback in the league that I think has the best chance to improve this season dramatically, it's Jameis Winston. You line up, and, and I'm taking this idea from the Football Outsiders Almanac, which is a, is a great uh, work. You should check it out. If you look at his stats versus Andrew Luck's stat, stats as rookies, uh, they're very similar, and Winston's are better. And when I think of those two quarterbacks, I think they're pretty similar. They were in similar situations. I think Winston's far more athletic and better escaping uh, the pass rush and running a little bit than he was given credit for. Uh, certainly, just like Andrew Luck, I think he sees the field in anticipation and his mind is on fire. And I love Mariota, and there's no need to compare the two, but if I'm picking one quarterback, I think can make that leap to a top 7-8 type of quarterback in a big second-year leap, I think, I think it's Jameis Winston. I know Chris Wessling is a huge fan of uh, maybe not as big a fan as he is as Marcus Mariota, but he watched every snap and came away thinking that Winston has that type of ability. He, he's in better shape now. He lost some of yep. that baby fat. Mm-hmm. Maybe this all translates to a leap. I think Mike Evans could be better this year, and I think that will help Jameis Winston. I mean, when you're just looking for all the traits in a quarterback that you want, whether it's intangible or tangible, to me, he, he is that guy. And I think he showed it even more than Winston. They're both great, but I, I, I feel really confident. When they were surprised by how much of a leader he was. When you watch Jared Goff on hard knocks and you realize how hard it is as a quarterback to command these veterans that even by a month in, they were like, this guy gets it. And the way he treated his offseason makes sense. That's true. Actually, Winston was going to be one of my, my underrated, under-the-radar stories that we'll get to later. I mean, I just think that there, even in this room, I mean, everyone talks about Mariota, but nobody talks. I mean, where where is the Winston's going to be great in year two storyline nationally? I think it's being really in Tampa has helped really him in a weird way because he is under the radar for a number one right. quarterback who pretty much lived up to the billing right off the bat. He did. That's fair. All right, moving on. Biggest concern in the NFC South, Mark. I'm going to leave – a couple things like the Saints defense sitting out there if someone else wants to talk about it. For me, wow, you I just totally like shot that one down now though. It's got no glory anymore. Well, I wasn't that wasn't my goal, but that's how <laughs> show business the works. You clipped the wings of the Saints <laughs> defense one. That's what I was planning to do, but yeah. I want to talk about the fact that, you know, Dan, you've been mentioning you've been predicting the Tom Brady fall off a cliff season. No, I'm not. Let's make sure we have this right. That he's going to go into a gradual decline. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. I mean, we're all gradually declining. So the world is gradually. I, I I thought it was a stronger prediction than that. And then my concern is the same thing with Drew Brees. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they act like this guy is just going to keep turning out these seasons over and over and over. It is a team that is not well built. I don't think overall their defense has issues, and there's still a team that's going to have to win shootouts. And is Drew Brees, who had health issues to some degree last year, going to be able to last? I think if that if that doesn't happen, a you don't have a clear heir apparent to him. You just latched on to Sean Payton for another X amount of years, and suddenly, if Breeze is not at the all-pro level, that team completely collapses upon itself. I'm not as much worried about him collapsing as much as his offensive line in front of the interior of that offensive line. Well, that's how quarterbacks get hurt, though. But I don't get that. He's got one of, if not the best left tackles in the league. He's got a great center. He's got a first-round pick playing at one of the guard spots, Andrews Pete. It's like, on the other side. all right, that's pretty good. That good. I mean, that's more than a lot of teams have on the offensive line. And, and I I am so high on, on the young talent around him, right. uh, Michael Thomas and Brandon Cooks, and the Mark Ingram, I think, is underrated, C.J. Spiller, Tim I, I just think he has so many players, Kobe Fleener. Way more weapons. Than the, yeah, the defense might be terrible. We'll see. I, I will. Uh, but I just think he'll, I think he'll put up a monster year. He looked pretty good at the end of last year. Mark, I will save my counter to that for our next category. Mm. Kevin Patra, breakout, uh, biggest concern. I'm going to go with the Falcons pass rush because I think that uh, 
The rest of the team, I think, it couldn't, couldn't be solid. Let's assume that the, the rookie linebackers are as good as we think they could be. Neal on the back end of safety is as good as he can be. The offensive line plays up to billing. Matt Ryan has one of his better seasons after a couple of mediocre ones. The pass rush, are they going to really get to the quarterback? Outside of Vic Beasley, are we expecting a 75-year-old uh, Freeney to come back and it's amazing he's still playing at this. He only level. played eight games last year. He had, eight, he, had he played really well, but I mean, he's gonna is he gonna play a whole season? And who else? Who else do they have that's gonna get to the quarterback? They can try to Adrian sign O.C. Ubinor again. I mean, that's what they do. They go out and sign the person that should have retired three years they ago. Signed Derek Shelby, which I thought was a oh chance worth taking. Looked pretty good in Miami. Young guy. I just don't. I don't see where if the back end is so good. Good linebackers. Could be, could, that's what I said. Let's assume that those. But if you don't ever touch the quarterback with Cam Newton, Drew Brees, Jameis Winston in your own division, they're going to pick you apart. You have to get after the quarterback, and we're not even sure. Their, their top rusher right now had four sacks as a rookie. So we don't know if they can get back to the quarterback. This is the the team that could, uh, in my opinion, threaten for the division if with all their other parts. But if they can't get to the quarterback, it's going to ruin everything. Let me uh, kind of piggyback with mine because – I don't think they're a threat in the division, and I think it's because they have issues on both sides of the ball. I'm a little worried about this Kyle Shanahan experiment or experience in Atlanta. Uh, it didn't go too smoothly last year, and there were reports that Matt Ryan struggled a little bit with Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan, for a guy that gets a lot of uh, compliments, has bounced around a lot in this league, and they weren't that great last year. I think Matt Ryan kind of plateaued. As a quarterback at his age 32 season, we kind of know who he is at this point. And I don't think they did enough to help him in the offseason. I really think uh, Mohamed Sanu is a guy that's going to disappoint there. Julio Jones is still a genius at his craft and is going to have a monster season. But I don't know if they're going to score enough points to offset issues on other si- other aspects of the team. I think this is an offense that could be a problem, and it could cost Mr. Shanahan another job at the end of the year. It w- I had written the same uh, idea down as, as a possible underrated storyline that, that this offense was the problem last year. It's weird that, that Matt Ryan had such a bad year in a year that the offensive line was pretty good. Uh, the running game, for the most part, was pretty good, and yet this, was, this team was 23rd in offense uh, for, in Football Outsiders DVOA, which is the, you know, it was a decline, in which I, I can't quite wrap my head around it. Matt Ryan is a huge, huge part, making big mistakes. So Terrible I don't know what was missing there. Year. I think they have room to improve, but it's underrated that that, that, was, that was just as big a problem as the defense because you expected the defense to be mediocre. They were last in the league the year before that. It was surprising the offense was so bad. The only, the only thing I disagree with, I think Sanu will actually right. play well in this offense, even in the preseason game against the Redskins. Wasn't out there long, made two catches, seems an integral part of the deal. I think he's an upgrade from where Roddy White was a year ago. I guess this is my question. Anybody's really an upgrade over Roddy White in 2016. But then it's an upgrade for your passing game. But I'm saying, but what did we see from Mohamed Sanu over the the greater part of what was three or four four years in Cincinnati? I think that now going with a quarterback who more or less is kind of at the same level, also with an elite wide receiver, A.J. Green, Julio Jones. Why are we all going to see all of a sudden see this jump? I, I think he production? was up and down in Cincinnati, but if you look at the season two seasons ago when A.J. Green was out of the lineup a bunch and he was forced to go into a number one role, he had big games. He put up big numbers. And I'm not saying as a number one receiver, but he's in the perfect place as a number two. I feel like the same thing, the opposite happened in another stretch with A.J. Green where, where Sanu didn't do anything when he was in the lead I, If you go look Perhaps at 2014 when Sanu was in there, he yeah. was he was, had the best games of his career when he was spotlighted as the number one guy. Well, we'll see how it plays out. Greg. Well, you guys weren't excited because it's the NFC North Day. And it, oh, it's another. NFC division. South, actually. Uh, NFC South Day. And uh, my underrated storyline is how great this division is. Uh, I know I've made this rant before, so I'll keep it quick. But <laughs> this is a division where the quarterback play, that's what we all like watching. It's at least what I like watching. This is it's, your biggest concern? It's, no. I thought we're an underrated storyline. No. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on anymore. I'm making it. All right, I'm go ahead. You keep happen. going. The concern going, is that everyone else, his concern is that everyone else. Why doesn't he just it. start underrated storylines? That's fair. There you go. Keep going. Sorry to interrupt. Just, I've said it all, that any one of these teams could win the division. I believe that. There's not a crazy difference between the top and the bottom. I think it's exciting to see what the Panthers do. 
that was going to be my biggest concern. Let's okay. Just, let's put them all together. My concern about the Panthers, like, how do they handle being a team that was 15 and one? Things are going to be harder this year. How do they handle little adversity, whether it's Cam Newton or it's a team in general? They're not going 15 and one. They had the easiest schedule on paper in the entire league last year. That's not happening again. The out of division schedule is pretty tough for the NFC South. I think the whole division is going to be better. I think it's going to be a dogfight between all these teams. I think they'll be in the mix. How do the Panthers handle that? And that's why. It's underrated how good this division is. I think you, Two one, and one. Uh, right on my sheet here, I almost okay. want this. How do the Panthers like handle season where everything doesn't go right? Because everything up until the Super Bowl went perfectly right for Carolina last year. And there's already been whispers in camp where Rivera said, I have to keep telling these guys that they don't just assume they're going to get back to the Super Bowl. That it's something he's had to talk to a young team about is it's going to be the same weekly grind as in every other year, minus all the good luck from last year. My, my counter to that is... Not everything went right. Super Bowl 50 went pretty wrong. No, I said up till the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, but though. my point being there is that there still should be that driving force within the team. I don't think they'll go soft or anything like that. I think that could make that can fuel them and maybe they'll continue on the same are, path. Are they at the level where the Seahawks and the Patriots are at and the Cardinals maybe are trying to get to where they're one of the the teams each and every year? I think they're set up to possibly be it. That is hard to pull off. There's only a couple teams like that. They're, I think just their defense is head and shoulders above everyone else in this division. I think that is what's going to – we'll get to it later when I say something. But that's that's where I think they're going to be so much better than the Mark, rest. that was your underrated storyline? Well, actually, it blends perfectly into mine. Okay, I'll say ahead. it quick because I what I put here was that Carolina has been the best drafting slash developing team in the league east of Arizona. They have. And, and it's, it's, it's Funchess, Kelvin Benjamin, the way Cam Newton has grown with this coaching staff – they took Michael Orr and made him into a serviceable tackle for most of the season. You got K1 short star at Ludulele. It's like they keep drafting players that produce. I haven't even gone through half the list. I mean, they had the chance to be an inc- just as good as they were last season. Forget the record. They could be a better team if they wanted to. They're getting Benjamin back. And the Panthers are legitimate. They, I don't think that last year was a fluke on me, any me level. No, I don't, I'm not saying you do, but, but I think, I think people are thinking, oh, you know, Anyone can win this division, and it's like I don't think so. I don't think anyone can win this division. Could, just, I just said that. I'm I, one of those people. I don't think. I don't think anyone. I don't that. agree I'm with that people. at all. Yeah, I think Carolina is going to win this division. When you stumble, by the way, when you're 15 and one, and you you come down to earth a little bit, you can still go 12 and four. I mean, this team is that as that talented, where they could not be as good as last year and still be good enough to get a number one seed. What is your underrated storyline, Kevin Patrick? I wrote two of them down, and we've hit them both. That's James, good. Jameis Winston and Short Calvin Benjamin. Up. So. Yeah, we're right. in My underrated storyline is in uh, contrast to Mark, your biggest concern. I think the Saints offense could shred, and I think they have the chance to kind of get back to that Saints level of uh, recent years for the same reasons that Greg mentioned before, all these skill players suddenly around Drew Brees. And then if you look at Drew Brees, and I, I was with the, the majority opinion kind of entering last year, that, okay, maybe this is kind of decline time a little bit for Drew Brees. But if you look after he came back from that shoulder injury, the last three quarters of the season, he was a monster. He was just as productive as he's ever been. So you put him with this uh, all this talent, and I think he has another couple years in the tank of, of big-time play. I think they're going to score a ton of points. I think they could score, like, over 30 points a game on average. Well, we thought we went last year at this time, we couldn't have been more excited about C.J. Spiller and – you know, they're going to be this run-heavy attack. Mark Ingram and everyone else is just going to blow teams up. And I- I'm going to hold on and wait this time. But you know what? I think they're embracing who they really are. Not this, uh, well, we're now better. a smash and, uh, what is it? Smash and dash? <laughs> well, I don't know if that's what Mixing them up. But anyway, they're going to air it out, and they're going to throw for a ton of yards. Breeze will go over 5,000 again with 40 touchdowns. I see that kind of season. 40 touchdowns. 40 a lot. 40 is a lot. Poor Bucks are an underrated storyline. Barely get mentioned. Finally. Pass rush could be better. Get to the playoffs. Mark, starting with you, the song that best describes the state of the NFC South. I'm excited for yours, Mark. It's got to be about an offensive coordinator. It should be. <laughs> what? Who do you want to sex up? <laughs> Why are all your songs about making love to people? <laughs> They're not. A lot of, a lot of, sorry, One was you. called Touch Myself. There was no other person well, involved. I'm too sexy. <laughs> all right. How about this? Because I don't agree with Greg's, uh, you know, 
Joan of Arc campaign about this is the most exciting division in football. It do? needs to that, get sexier. That goes right over my head. How about get a little sexier? How about show us and prove that you're the most exciting division? I don't buy that at all. Two of these teams <laughs> play in domes, so they don't even exist to me. And I, outside of the Panthers, I mean, the three other teams to me just seem like a mishmash of the same thing. A bunch of seven and nine teams ready to disappoint us. What does this have to do with the song? Wait, wouldn't the right <laughs> sexier sex yourselves up? Wouldn't the song be "I Don't Want to Sex You Up"? I think, and speaking to someone that they would want to like have that kind of relationship with, I don't feel that way about the NFC South. Change my opinion. It was an anti-song, is what you're saying? Yes, it was an anti-theme. I got it. Kevin Patrick, your debut <laughs> song that best describes the NFC South. Come on, hold on. It's almost over. Swiss speech. Wow. Oh, oh. <laughs> Turn this up in my headphones. That was Patrick Barkey. Patrick was a rapper. He'd be DMX. Yeah. I would love. D- I love DMX. There's, there was a 100% chance Patrick's song would either be from Eminem or DMX. Today was DMX. All right. Now why? Because, because there ain't no way anybody else is keeping up with the Panthers. There's no way. They're just head and shoulders. That defense is going to carry the day. There's just no way that ain't no way anybody else is going to touch them in that division. Is that what the song's called? Ain't no way. Ain't no way. Nice. See that connects in a more linear fashion, Mark. Not that yours didn't connect. Yeah, I don't. Really I don't connect. need to take a shot because I don't. Maybe you know I was thinking about this division in a different way <laughs> from a different place. Uh, you know what? That's a good one, Patrick. Because mine is very similar. Let's do some piggybacking. I am a god. <laughs> I am a god. Is this Cam Newton singing this? That's true. We haven't talked about the defending MVP at all. Yes, this is all about Cam Newton. Cam Newton, and he'll be the first to tell you, is a god in the NFL right now. He is in his prime. As Mark said earlier, Devin Funches is ready to make the leap. Kevin Benjamin's back. Greg Olson's still in the picture. Jonathan Stewart's still produ- productive. He can do it all. Do you know how many touchdowns Cam Newton had regular season and postseason last year combined passing and running? I have a feeling you're going to tell us. 50. 50 touchdowns for this guy in all-time, not just fantasy season, but quarterback season. And he didn't even really turn it on until the second half of the year. What happens, gentlemen? If Cam Newton picks up where he left off and does this for 16 weeks, and yes, not everything, not everything is going to go to script the way it did last year maybe, but I still think Cam Newton, when it's all said and done, is the type of special, transcendent type player that lifts a team single-handedly. We're talking about the tiers in the ESPN quarterback rankings that can lift an entire team. Him alone makes this team better than everybody else. That's why the Panthers will continue to rule the South. He's a god. Can't argue with that. <laughs> We're on board. Right. You could try. What if he gets hurt? He he, he gets hit a lot. He, get one, that, one he gets six games against uh, pretty unimposing defenses in this division. That's nice. Gods gods don't hurt. Gods don't get hurt or they don't hurt people. Gods definitely hurt people. They do it all. Finally, Greg. Yeah, well, you know I have to go. All right. Mark does not like this one. Little random choice here. Doe is what I got from the, dr- the drought three by Little Wayne. You have to go back to New Orleans because that's what Drew Brees is going to have after this year. Doe is what he's got. He's going to make the most crazy Tom Benson contract ever when the Saints win this division this year and they bring it back to New Orleans. You really think that's going to happen? I do. I think they're going to win this I think with this, this defense they can win the they can win it. I think talk about how bad their defense is, really. I I think their defense will be better. We don't need to get into a long uh, spiel about it. I, I obviously the injuries to Sheldon Rankins and what's gone on recently not not helpful. But I think the offense is going to be good enough. More more to the point, I think the Panthers are going to come back to earth in ten eleven games. Is going to be right in the mix in this division. So you, okay, so the number to win the division is eleven, though, right? Yeah, ten eleven. Okay. 
I, think, I mean, it's not I think a crazy thought. Teams, I think that, yeah, I mean, what I just said, I think they're going to score a lot of points. Is the defense going to lead to them losing 35-31 a lot? I kind of see that happening still, but maybe. Their, their defense is okay every third year. That's Are we due? This is the third yeah, year. they would be due. I think without all the Rob Ryan coverage bus where you can't even figure out what the play call is, the secondary actually looks Delvin pretty, bro. pretty decent on paper. Delvin Bro. I mean, I, the point is that Breeze is going to light the world on fire, like you said, and and probably they're going to give him way almost too much money because they let this contract ride out and, at the end of his career. Well, that would be a very Mickey Loomis thing to do is he's attempting to run the New Orleans Pelicans at the same time. I almost hand out a, a giant contract to Drew Breeze when he's about to turn. 40. I almost went with a pretty awful song um, by Lil Wayne where he where he actually raps about Drew Breeze. And Marcus Colston. I think he rhymes. Ex- <laughs> a little on the nose. He rhymes expensive with Tom Benson, which I like. <laughs> At least it's not the album where he's playing guitar. <laughs> um, all right. Anybody else see a playoff? More than one playoff team coming out of this division? No, I don't. I don't. Do you see? I, I do. I think the, Pan- the Panthers and the Saints, and the Saints are, are playoff. For me, it would be the Bucks and the Panthers, but I don't. I, I think it's just Carolina. Okay. All right. Good division talk, guys. Uh, next up, uh, either. Tomorrow, Thursday, or uh, early next week, we will tackle the NFC West in our final preview of the National Football Conference. That's it for today's show. Thanks for sitting in, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Stan Hans is signing off for the mailman, Kevin Patrick, coming at you, the boss, and the Irishman behind the glass. Till Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.